You're listening to MPS Connections with Brian Bruton. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the MPS Connections podcast. We're excited to bring you a bi-monthly podcast, which we intend to release on the first and third Thursday of each and every single month to bring you information from both the district level and the school level relevant to what's going on in the Midland Public Schools. We felt that the most relevant topic for you to have brought to you in our very first episode is our 21-22 school year plans in terms of safety and curriculum. We know that the public has a lot of questions about what is going to be happening in our schools. So we are bringing to you today two very special guests. First, we have Mr. Jeff Jaster, our associate associate superintendent of administrative and student services, and also associate superintendent Penny Miller Nelson, our um, person in charge of curriculum instruction and assessment. So Jeff, welcome. Penny, welcome. Jeff, why don't you start off real quick and just give, give every Everyone, a quick overview of your tenure here with MPS so they can learn just a little bit more about you before we get into some of the details. Sure. Thanks, Brian. Um, I first was hired by MPS in 2002. Um, I came in as a teacher and coach, and after a year uh, doing that at Midland High School, I had the opportunity to move into an administrative role. So um, since the fall of 2003, um, this will be my 19th year in administration, I've held various positions from department level positions to, you know, assistant principals, principals at middle school and high school, and then now associate superintendent. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for being with us today. And Penny, how about you do the same for us? Sure. I came to Midland Public Schools in 2008, where I was hired as a full-time career and tech ed coordinator. Uh, and over, uh, since that time, rather, have stayed in the curriculum office just in various positions and uh, most recently as the Associate Superintendent of Curriculum. Yep, so thanks again, Penny. Thanks again, Jeff. And um, really, over the past two years almost now of dealing with this pandemic, it's hard to believe it's been that long. Um, Jeff and Penny and the administrative team here at MPS has had to pivot a lot um, in response to mandates that came from the local level, mandates that came from the state level, and also responding to the conditions that are in our county as well, too. And um, it appears, Jeff, that we are likely in a very similar scenario where we're going to have to be a little bit flexible as the year approaches because, you know, you hear a lot on the news about case rates, you hear a lot about um, different protocols that are being implemented across the country. Um, so I know that you're speaking in terms of what we know now. So as of this date, we know now in late July, um, can you give everyone a general perspective of what our approach is going to be to the 21-22 school year? Sure. I appreciate you saying um, that we had to learn to be flexible over the last 18 months. I would say that flexibility has been the name of the game. And of course, as a public school district, uh, we are charged with keeping large numbers of people safe, whether it's uh, students or you're just thinking of our significant number of staff that walk through the doors every day. At any given time here in Midland, we have the most activity during the day than any other company business with about 10,000 people uh, coming and going through our school buildings. So of course we take that serious and we are gonna continue to follow um, guidance and recommendations as it relates to schools. But with that being said, case numbers um, really are at a, at a low point. When you look back over the course of uh, just this past year, um, numbers currently are the best they've been in that period of time. 
So we, we have certainly considered that with our guidance at this point, and we, we will, of course, follow any required safety measures, but at this time, those are few and far between. Um, and so what I would say is our approach is gonna to be to continue uh, to work with the local health department. We are gonna to continue to follow required protocols, which I'll get back to that in a minute. And we're gonna to continue to do some of the things that we know are just good practice, which is increased um, cleaning, uh, hygiene practices, social distancing, and some of those other things that we've learned were very effective last year. I know the elephant in the room has always been are we going to require vaccinations? Are we going to require masks? At this point, we are certainly recommending those that can get vaccinated uh, to do so because it certainly helps us when we get into a position if there is an outbreak and how we have to respond versus, you know, with uh, contact tracing and sharing information with the health department that might lead to quarantining of individuals. But on that note, specific to the health department, uh, we follow their lead when it comes to quarantining. And then as it relates to masks, we certainly um, want to give people the flexibility to choose, but that's going to be a family decision this year. Masks are going to be optional. And if something changes, of course, and it becomes required at some point with different populations, then we will have to change our guidance or our, our approach, but that's where we are at this point. Right. So what I just heard from you there is that, you know, we're going to rely on families to make some personal decisions um, when it pertains to things like masks and vaccines. While we're certainly recommending those options, it will be personal family choices. Let's talk a little bit, Jeff, too, about some of the other questions that I know have been burning and people have been hitting me with in the public as well, too. What's it going to look like um, for a student coming into our schools in the morning. Because remember last year, um, we had students that were lined up outside. We had certain protocols for the buses. We had temperature scanning. So walk me through what it's gonna look like for a student that's coming into Midland Public okay. Schools next year. All right, this is a good jumping off point for the one required uh, protocol. Uh, currently, CDC order uh, from January of, of 2021 requires masks on public transportation. and. School buses are considered public transportation. So kids on their way to school, if you ride the bus, you are gonna be asked to wear a mask while you're on the bus. Um, an additional strongly recommended safety item is just to keep kids in assigned seats uh, in the event that we do have to do some uh, contact tracing. You certainly need to know where the kids sit and given the uh, frequency of kids in and out the door, that's the only way to do that. So. Uh, for those parents who have concerns about their students riding buses and being required to wear a mask, this might generate some conversation around the dinner table at home. But otherwise, um, once students arrive, however they choose to arrive at school, whether it's bus, drop off, or walk to school, um, there's not going to be a required temperature screen uh, this fall. I know that was one of the items that was in place last year. Once they arrive at school, they're going to certainly still be asked to, um, you know, not loiter in hallways and in common areas. We're going to still try to get kids to classrooms and um, get materials from lockers and get into classrooms. But the buildings are going to be open and operating much more like uh, what people remember from several years ago. We still know that the recommendation where there are large groups to, to social distance where you can and to have kids spread out. So we're gonna to try to encourage that, you know, speedy um, grab your items and get where you need to go kind of movement in the building. But besides that, 
activity during the day is going to look very similar too. I think we will continue to see at the elementary level some cohorting in the lunchrooms, um, trying to keep classes separate during recesses so we're not mixing large groups unnecessarily. Uh, but in general, um, much more of uh, what most would have considered a normal situation um, this year compared to what we did last fall. And I know one of the items that students are going to be asking about, and teachers probably as well too, are we going to have desk shields again this year? If you want one, you can have one. That's one of the items that we certainly have those on hand. And uh, we've purchased those as a district, and so they can be used. Uh, but that's probably going to be an individual preference. And so if a student would like one, they just request those from their teacher. Very good. Thanks, Jeff, for that. I appreciate it. The last one until we pivot over to the curriculum part of it, um, our clubs and extracurricular activities, are those going to kick off in early August um, as they did prior to the pandemic? Anything you can chat about there? Sure. Um, let me start with sports, actually, and then I'll come back to the clubs and other activities. Um, we know that sports typically start... Um, sometime around August 6th or 7th. I don't have the date in front of me for when that kicks off this year. We are still waiting to see if MHSAA is going to have any specific guidance, but the thing that most people were concerned about last year was we had to requ uh, require testing of athletes once per week. That requirement has, has since uh, been removed, so we don't have any plans to do that. Most of our fall sports, with the exception of just a few, are outdoors. And again, outdoors, there's no requirement for mask. If there are sports that occur indoors, that recommendation uh, to wear a mask, it still comes down to personal choice. Uh, if somebody chooses to wear one, they can. If they choose not to, uh, that's their right. Um, as far as the clubs, extracurricular groups, band camps will kick off in early August as well. The majority of band camp is dedicated to learning um, to march. And so again, most of that takes place outside, but when we do have big groups indoors, especially if there's bad weather, uh, it seems like it always rains at least once during band camp week. Uh, we are encouraged um, the band directors to have kids spread out in the building. We're not gonna have 200 kids in one room. We're gonna have them divide up uh, by sectionals or instruments to spread out to the extent possible there as well. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate that. Um, so we're going to shift over to Penny and talk a little bit about curriculum. And, you know, Penny, it, it really has been um, a long, long, long march for the, for the um, administrators, teachers and curriculum folks since March of 20 when we got noticed really in the middle of the night that we had to shut down. And at that time, we were scrambling to figure out the best way to deliver online learning to almost all 8,000 of our students almost immediately overnight. And it seems like a lifetime ago since this began. And we now have learned a lot um, and we've evolved a lot from where we began. So from where we started the pandemic to where we went during the middle of it to where we are now, if parents are looking for a, how is instruction gonna look different this coming school year than it did last school year. Can you give us some of the differences and some of the similarities of what's gonna continue on um, from practices that we learned that were really good for students and teachers through the pandemic and things that you may see us moving away from? Sure. Um, yeah, it was quite a whirlwind there, transitioning to um, virtual learning and back and forth for brief periods of time. Our teachers really proved how flexible and resilient and adaptive they are. 
And uh, we learned a lot from that. So I know there will be some big takeaways that we're going to carry forward, particularly using key instructional tools, technology-based instructional tools that enhance learning. So we'll be hanging in there with Canvas, uh, Cami, Pear Deck, some of those tools that really focus on learning and aren't all about the flash in the show. So students and families can still expect uh, to, to have access to those and for those to become more integrated as part of their experience, even when we are together face-to-face. -face. I will say as an overarching premise, we are following the guidance that the Michigan Department of Education has given us um, as we plan for this coming school year. We will continue to focus on the whole child meaning that we will continue to have hard academic press. We're going to maintain our high expectations for students to be academically successful, but we are also going to hold ourselves to high expectations of how we support social-emotional well-being of students and staff. So I believe parents will see sort of that dual focus uh, at the district, school, and classroom level. Right. So one of the questions I know that I've been asked as well, too, is the pacing of curriculum. And so um, there's the rumor out there that our teachers are going to be going as fast as they possibly can to make up for lost time. And then I've also heard the rumor that they're going to be slower than they typically did to um, also help remediate those. So can you talk a little bit about curriculum pacing and um, what our teachers are going to try and do in terms of getting everyone back to where they need to be? Is it going to be really fast? Is it going to be really slow? Um, what's the truth in that rumor? Sure. So the guidance we've received from the Department of Ed is, is not new information. When we really think about taking a student from where they are and where they need to be, there is a certain individualized approach that's required. So um, I guess to come back to the basics, our teachers will be teaching the standards for the grade level or the course. Uh, we recognize that there was some missed opportunity to learn uh, throughout last year. It's part of why we offered a robust summer learning program to help mitigate some of um, that lost opportunity. Uh, we are not going to be slowing our pace, but rather holding students to their grade level ex or content expectations. Where I think we're going to see a real opportunity is in how we monitor student learning, how we um, quickly intervene to provide students with the extra support extra learning time that they need. So our multi-tiered system of support or MTSS is something that we will all be learning much more about and enacting uh, those protocols as we go. That real systems approach to making sure that, that there is solid core instruction that's on grade level, on pace, standard pace. And when we recognize through our assessment process that a student is um, not where they need to be, then we're gonna intervene and we're gonna provide additional supports. Right. And when we've talked to kids, um, of course, the number one question they asked was, do I have to have death shields anymore? Number two was, do I have to wear a mask next year? But the third most common question I've gotten is, are we going to continue the practice of canceling exams at our secondary school? So can you talk to that one? I can. Actually, um, exams are an important part of a balanced assessment system. And through our continuous improvement process, one of our key goal areas is to enhance our balanced assessment system. So there is, and this could be a whole nother conversation, Brian. Um, Maybe we'll have you on for a podcast <laughs> could, just to talk about that. So a balanced assessment system includes classroom level formative assessments that happen in real time where a teacher knows uh, where a student is in their learning against that daily learning target or standards. And there's a responsive loop that happens. There are more summative assessments 
like a final exam at our high schools. And so we will be digging deeper into the research and evidence-based practices around balanced assessment system, but there's no doubt that exams play a role in that. We may refresh some of our exams. We may think a little more intentionally about how we build commonality around those throughout the district by grade level or course, uh, but we do anticipate exams returning. Sure. What have you heard from the MDE about MSTEP or the SAT? Yes, um, business as usual there. Uh, we did uh, complete all of those required assessments this past spring, um, and those were not for quote unquote accountability. Uh, but we will be moving back into that period of where those where those assessments will be for our accountability. And again, that's part of a balanced assessment system, having that state level data to inform our curriculum and our overall school improvement. Right. So you had talked right at the beginning of your segment about addressing both curriculum, but also the social emotional needs of our students and staff as well, too. And we know that the pandemic has um, weighed heavy on a lot of folks in many different ways. And so um, if a student and or family is interested in any sort of social emotional services in the upcoming school year, who should they turn to for that? Yeah, um, we're really proud of how we're building out these this part of our tiered system of support. So when we mention uh, MTSS, it isn't just about academic intervention, but it's also about overall well-being and intervening when we recognize that students need that social emotional support. All of our elementaries will have access to a student support specialist. So any teacher as well as the building principal can connect a student and a family with uh, those supports through the student support specialist. Our middle schools also have access to a student support specialist, and they also have a counselor, one counselor at each of our schools. And our high schools have a counseling department, and they also have access to a student support specialist. So once you um, reach that, that point where you are in consultation with the student support specialist or counselor, uh, there is a loop of communication with the family, and then there are some decisions to be made about what type of support is needed. And we've worked really hard over these past several years to build out our community connections. So we have multiple opportunities to connect with additional resources, counseling uh, supports, family supports um, through private and um, public organizations here in town. So there should be no student or no family who goes without the type of social, emotional, or mental health supports that they need. Thank you very much for that. So Jeff Penny, um, it seems like we're starting to get to returning to some degree of normalcy, but like we both said, um, we have to be flexible in this upcoming school year. There's going to be guidance coming out. We believe it's evolving over time as well too. But Jeff, if you had to give one piece of advice to families that are returning to this school year, do you have one piece of advice that you could offer them to um, what discussion points should they have as a family um, before the school year begins? Sure. Thanks. I, I think that right now, the best thing to do is just discuss with your students. Um, and this obviously varies by age level and grade level. But discuss with your students what they might expect uh, when they arrive at school. As we talked about, the only requirement right now is uh, masks being required on public transportation, which includes school buses. I think um, we certainly would encourage folks to continue their self-screening at home. And if people aren't feeling well or have symptoms, they should stay home. Uh, but beyond that, a lot of this is personal choice, personal preference. And so if a family uh, feels that they want their child uh, to be as safe as possible, then masking and asking for a desk shield, any of those items can certainly be provided. Um, but again, individual choice.
Penny, the same to you. Um, when people are preparing for the curriculum adventure that they're going to go on for the 21-22 school year, do you have any words of advice for those folks? Yeah, I would say um, remain flexible and be open to the opportunities that come to you. So academically, uh, families may recognize at certain points that their their child is struggling, even those who might not typically be um, challenged by their academic coursework, because we did have some gaps, some, some lost opportunity to learn. So if you recognize uh, that you're struggling academically or social emotionally, you need to just reach out for help. Talk to a teacher, talk to a counselor, talk to any caring adult. And the sooner we can intervene on either side, whether it's academic or social emotional, um, the sooner that we can get you the supports uh, that you need so that you can move forward and progress. Okay, very good. If you stakeholders are looking for more information on this topic, you can also go to the MPS website and there you can access our board meeting recording where Mr. Jaster has presented to the MPS Board of Education our return to learn plan as it stands as of the time of this recording. You can also reach out to your school principal and we encourage you to do so. Every single school is going to have a little bit twist um, in the way that they are running their procedures and protocols and we know that they are a great point of contact as well too. If you want to talk to Jeff or Penny or myself personally, you can always find our information on the MPS website. Our phone numbers and our email addresses are on there and are readily accessible. As it relates to the podcast, if you have any topic suggestions for us or any comments about any of our commentary, you could reach us at podcasts, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at midlandps.org. And make sure that you are subscribing again to this podcast because you are not going to want to miss episode two, where we will have special guests, MHS Athletic Director Eric Albright and HH Dow High Athletic Director Mr. John Streeter. And we are going to focus on what student activities and athletics specifically are going to look like for the fall of 2021. Practice protocols, capacity at stadiums, any ticketing changes that we're going to have as well, too. And that's an episode we know that you are not going to want to miss. Um, until then, make sure that you're enjoying the last few weeks of summer and please stay safe. Thanks a lot. We do encourage you to subscribe to this podcast so you're getting the most up-to-date episodes. You can find us on all the popular venues, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere that you find your favorite podcast episodes. Also, you're going to be able to access um, this podcast through our new communique format, which we hope that you enjoy, which is supposed to be much more mobile friendly, where we are also going to archive our episodes.